I want winners. I want people that want to win. What's up, everybody? This is Double G from BSPN, and we want winners. And this is now sort of a, an end-of-the-week check-in, or maybe even a preview, a short preview podcast to get you ready for Sunday Night Football. As you know, Roderick and I, we do our post-game show, our post-show at the end of every game, and then we don't talk to you, the audience, for a full week. So I've been trying to get some information, some of the, the notes, the nuggets uh, of information uh, to, to put during the week or at least before Roderick and I check in again. So that's what this is. And, you know, one of the things that we failed to talk about last week when we did our post show after the, the 49ers beat the Cardinals is that Russ Francis passed away because of uh, engine failure in in one of his planes uh, Russ was a big uh plane guy you know that that was his passion really was flying uh, planes and he was 70 years old sounds like uh you know the 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 plane and 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 the the flight had issues pretty much from the start and you know he he and his partner who was uh, also uh, a, a, an expert when it came to safety with with planes and, and such. Uh, they they tried to reverse. They they figured out that there was something going on early in their flight. They tried to reverse field and go back, and they ended up a little short there. So R.I.P. Russ Francis. Forty Niners fans will remember him for joining the Niners in 1982 after Bill Walsh had spotted him and was like, dude, like you're a football player. Let's get back out on the field. Uh, I can utilize you. We're building something in San Francisco. Russ was drafted by the New England Patriots, and I think he was taking the year off or something and was, was, was a broadcaster, so he missed the 81 season, I believe. And uh, the rest was history as far as Russ and the Niners. So Russ would join the team after the Niners won their first Super Bowl in 81. And from 82 through 87, he would go on to win a, 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 a championship himself, a Super Bowl on that 84 team. And I think, you know, one of the things about if you were a fan during the 80s, there's something about those 80s and early 90s players that just sort of stand out in your memory and I remember Russ Francis as like, oh, wow, you know, Super Bowl champion, X, Y, and Z. But he had such a incredible life outside of just being on the 49ers. And I would uh, suggest that you do some reading up on some of the obituaries that are out there that are pretty fantastic. Such an incredible athlete. He was born in Oregon, but then father moved him out to... Uh, Hawaii. His father was a wrestling promoter. If you are a wrestling fan, you may remember Russ for WrestleMania 2 in the Battle Royal with Refrigerator Perry and Big John Stud, won by Andre the Giant. Russ was in the final four of that Battle Royal, and he got thrown out, and he got his uh, he got clotheslined by the the bottom rope when he went over the top. I always felt bad for him. That that one looked like it hurt like hell. And then, uh, of course, the Super Bowl in 84. And I think uh, the Niners cut him in 87. And, you know, it was really brutal. Walsh was 
You know, Walsh wasn't getting rid of guys a, a season too late. He was getting rid of guys when when they could no longer help him, and there was a younger and cheaper player who was better for the team. And if I remember, that might have been John Frank. I think John Frank was <clears throat> drafted in 86, so he may have been the guy, but John Frank had, from what I remember, again, now this is so many years ago, uh, issues with, with catching the football. And when Joe Montana is your quarterback, you cannot have issues with catching the football. Um, so, yeah, read up on Russ. Uh, that was sad because I think this news came out when Rod and I were recording our show and uh, so that's why we didn't have it then. But uh, all right, it is Niners and Cowboys. Nothing is bigger than Niners and Cowboys, uh, essentially, in the NFL these days and, and historically in the NFL as well. The memories that I have of uh, the Cowboys, my my best friend, Ed, is it was a Cowboys fan. So growing up, you know, it's 1992 and then 1993 and 94. He and I are going back and forth battling. We're trying to play Madden to to see who, you know, whose team's going to win this championship game. And 1992 when Dallas came into San Francisco and uh, beat the 49ers when they were the the young upstart team to go on and win their their Super Bowl, the, the, the first Super Bowl with the Aikman, Emmett, and uh, Michael Irvin triumvirate. That was maybe the most broken-hearted I've ever been watching a football game, and that includes the last two Super Bowls that the 49ers lost, one to the Ravens and one to the Chiefs. That 92 team, the Dallas Cowboys team, for whatever reason, probably some of it was because of of Ed and his fandom, but man, I was so brokenhearted at the end of that game. In 93, I didn't really think that the Niners had the better team, so I was not surprised when they lost that game, though still very frustrated. And then finally in 94, the Niners really had to win that game because they had got Deion. Like, imagine the Niners get Deion Sanders and then they lose that game. That could that just couldn't happen. The, the story would not have been as sweet. So, uh, you know, and then since then, that you know, there's the memorable game when Dion goes to Dallas and that first game Niners against Dallas, Steve Young is hurt and Elvis Gerbach is the quarterback of all people. And they go on and beat the Cowboys. I remember Jerry Rice, like taking a slant all the way and he was so fired up and they, they win that game in the regular season, but they don't even get to the Cowboys uh, in, in to get to the Super Bowl. I think they lose to the Packers in that season. And then all uh, of course the the Terrell Owens game where he goes to the star and and poses and Emmett gets pissed and runs and hits him from behind. That is a very memorable game. Uh and then the last 2 years, the Niners beat the Cowboys in the wild card game in 2021. Uh they beat the Cowboys last year, uh, I believe in the divisional playoffs. And both of those games, I felt like the Niners were pretty much in control, but Dallas was always just a play away. Dak, you know, was a play away, seemingly unable to to make the big play. And uh, the Niners would go on to win both of those games. And, you know, it's very interesting that you have a game like this, which is the biggest game this season so far in the regular season, 
Great scheduling by the NFL. Sunday night, and if you look at the tickets for this game and compare them to what the tickets cost for the rest of the games for the 49ers, it's like a 3 or 4x on these tickets just because Dallas is here. So 49er fans, you know, I'm hoping that we didn't sell all of our tickets to these Cowboys fans. Or I'm hoping, like I told Rod last week, I'm hoping that instead all the... All the tech people who don't even like football, but they still live in the Bay Area and they're going to wear their 49ers shirt for the first time ever that they just bought to go to this game. I hope those people buy the tickets instead of uh, the Cowboys fans. So we'll see how, how that works in uh, in our home in our home stadium here in Santa Clara. Uh, but yeah, so three years in a row they'll have been able to play each other and if you listen to jerry jones he believes that they'll play each other again in the playoffs jerry jones by the way very complimentary to the 49ers and unlike the 1992 version of jimmy johnson who basically guaranteed victory in that nfc title game which caused george seifert to say that he's got some balls and he doesn't know if they're brass or paper mache. Well, they were brass, George Seifert. They were brass because they went in and kicked our butts. Um, But Jerry Jones is saying the Niners are the favorite to win the Super Bowl. I hate that talk, by the way. I don't know if you guys like it when people believe that the Niners are supposed to. I I like being the underdog. It's just more comfortable for me to watch games and and not be the favorite because when you're – the top team, the only place you can go is down. I'd rather have some opportunity to go up, but uh, yeah, in these mythical uh, pound for pound rankings here. Okay, so and, and maybe it's just reverse psychology from from Jerry that that's what what it could be too. Uh, Matt Barrows pointed out in his preview uh, of the game that the 49ers nickel slot is the possible problem, and Dallas is the best team right now through four weeks in the NFL uh, on third down. So if you look at maybe where the Cowboys are looking to win a matchup, it is on third down. It is when the, you know, the, their bigger receivers come in and we'll see because the Niners last week, you know, they they have problems with with Isaiah Oliver and Demo and uh, Ambry Tom, like that whole thing does not seem like they've worked it out yet and that they've found the right solution. Uh, it seems like it's still on a game-per-game game basis. Uh, so, you know, it looks like both teams will hopefully uh, be fairly healthy. I know Debo uh, is we, – we've done this Debo dance before, right? Like Debo is such a physical player. He's often on the injured report. So I would imagine with uh, Sunday night you get a little bit more time to rest – I would imagine that that he's going to play, but who knows? We'll we'll see. I haven't seen any injury reports uh, for today yet because I imagine as I'm recording this, uh, practice is, is still going on. Uh, but uh, I, you know, you would hope uh, for a game of this magnitude that both teams will be healthy and and ready to roll, and and that you don't you know you can see how, how both teams are fully uh, w- with their full squad. Um, all right, so. What else is, you know, do we talk about for this game? I don't think there's much else. You just kind of have to see for, for the Niners, it is the giant test, right? It is, okay, we, you know, we're 4 0, Eagles are 4 0. They are two of the best teams 
in, in football. The Cowboys, had they not got blown out by Arizona, they would be up there. This would be a team, this would be a game of of undefeateds, but the maybe the flaw with this with this great Cowboys defense is in the run game because Arizona ran on them for 222 yards in the game that they won. And the Cowboys, uh, that that it may just be this physical thing with the Niners, and and maybe, you know, maybe one way to slow down Micah Parsons is just attack him in the run game, make him make plays, and exhaust him so he just doesn't sit in, in, in third down and and you know line up and lick his lips and ready to explode off the ball, so. That would be the thing for the Niners, I think, is if they can run the football, it's, it's probably going to be pretty tough on, on the Cowboys. But if the Cowboys can stop the run and the Niners do have to pass more, there there could be some some issues for, for young Brock Purdy there. Everyone's waiting for this dude to fail. And it, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be great for content if the one game that he does play poorly in is the nationally televised game against the Cowboys because all the naysayers are just going to explode and see I told you so and all that stuff. But also if he plays well and if they win and he's a big part of the reason why, they may have to change <laughs> the topic du jour uh, for, for Monday. So that that's also something to pay attention to, though I don't take a lot of that stuff into account. It's just kind of funny because the perception – of what the uh, the talking heads say is, is is kind of like the narrative for the week, but uh, we create our own narratives here. That's that's what Rod and I do. Uh, so I, if I was to predict, I would say the Niners win another close game, not too dissimilar from from the last two playoff games. But uh, Cowboys are a good team, and the Niners can just be off. Uh, you know, if they play like if they played in the second half against the Cardinals, the Cowboys can come in and, and kick their butt. So I hope that they have a consistent game plan, pedal to the metal, keep moving things forward, run the football, and set up some nice third downs for, for Brock. That is my hope. All right, Rod and I also, we had a conversation on the last show that I kind of wanted to flesh out just a tiny bit. You can actually, I, I, I posted something on our website, bspnmedia.com. And I took the little clip of Rod and I talking about CMC and where he ranks in in best 49ers running backs in in modern day history. Now we mentioned we Rod and I are not old enough to have seen Joe the Jet Perry or anybody from the Million Dollar Backfield play. So we're just talking about people in our scope. So you know the the when I first started watching the 49ers, their running back was Wendell Tyler. And uh Roger Craig was the fullback at that point. So that's kind of where my my fandom and where I have been following and studying that this organization begins. And Rod and I kind of mentioned like who would be the top running back in modern day history. We both had Gore as number one. Uh, We also said that, you know, a lot of people may have Roger Craig there again, the eighties and nineties 49ers. They're just, they're like almost not human when it comes to how, Bay Area fans uh, remember. So I took a look and I used a, a fantasy football website, by the way, called Fantasy Football Astronauts, who kind of did this deep dive sometime last year about the best running backs in 49 Air history. They came to the same conclusion that it was uh, Frank Gore, but I wanted to read some of these stats because I thought these stats were, were actually pretty cool. And, and obviously football changes, right? The 80s, 
uh, early '80s, way more of a running game. You know, the Niners are really the the team that that's passing a lot, and then you move into the to the '90s and the 2000s, and the game is is different as well. But it becomes a much more of a passing game uh, as it is today over over the years. But Roger Craig, 49ers uh, running back from 1983 to 1990, he averaged 4.2 yards per carry. He had 7,064 rushing yards, 50 rushing touchdowns, 508 receptions for 4,442 yards receiving and 16 uh, TD receptions. He actually led the league in receptions in 1985 with 92 receptions. And that is uh, on a team with a, a young rookie, Jerry Rice, who also had some hands problems back then. Uh, he led the league in yards per scrimmage or yards from scrimmage in 1988 with 2036. Four time Pro Bowler, one time All Pro in 88, which was definitely his best year. He was also the 1988 Offensive Player of the Year and uh, on the All 80s team determined by the Hall of Fame, I believe. And so then you're going to fast forward to 1997. Maybe the most underrated running back in 49ers history, probably because of the injuries, probably because, you know, he did, he was on the team, uh, did not win a Super Bowl, uh, you know, not a part of it, actually playing in, in a Super Bowl. The, the late 90s, early 2000s, 49ers were more about sort of disappointment than, than anything else. And so Garrison Hurst, 4.7 yards per carry, 5,535 yards rushing and 26 TDs, 174 reception, 1,604 re- receiving yards and seven receiving touchdowns. So not that not, not as good of a, of a receiving back as Roger Craig was, obviously. Uh, he is a two-time Pro Bowler with the Niners, and he was the 2001 Comeback Player of the Year. If the Niners had Garrison a little earlier, the way that they utilized him, he probably has a much better career than he ended up having. Uh, I used to love watching this dude play. Even through all those injuries, this dude was so fast. He hit the hole so fast. And I I still feel like they underutilized him to an extent. Um, And and then, of course, Frank Gore, who Rod and I believe is the best running back 49ers history modern day, and who we're sort of comparing you know, can CMC get to this level? Frank Gore, 4.5 yards average, 11,073 yards rushing, 64 touchdowns, 342 receptions, 2,883 receiving yards, 11 receiving touchdowns, five-time Pro Bowler, and the Hall of Fame All-2010s team. Now, uh, for Gore, the other thing about Gore is just exceptional blocker, right? He's protecting uh, the quarterback more so than Garrison Hurst would have had to. And, and, you know, Roger Craig, uh, as a fullback, he was a a blocking for Tyler. But when he became a running back, he's a lot of his stuff is just running routes and being open and catching balls. So Gore is doing a lot more protecting and a lot more bruising uh, blocking. So where does CMC fit? Uh, CMC does not have enough games as 49er under his belt. But he sort of feels like he's on his way. 
And uh, I, I took a note from uh, the StatMuse website as far as his stats with 49ers. So he hasn't even played what we would consider a full season, which is 17 games, used to be 16 games. He's only played 15 games as a 49er. We're not counting playoffs here. He's rushed for 1,205 yards, and his average is over five. So he's an over five, and you you know you look at... Craig at 4.2, Garrison Hurst 4.7, Frank Gore 4.5. So CMC already has a, a, a higher average yards per carry than any of the greatest modern-day 49er running backs. And he has 70 catches for 605 yards. So that is more in the realm of what Roger was doing as far as being a receiving back as well. Now he's also not going to be asked to, to do a lot of blocking like Frank Gore would have been asked. So that is one thing that Frank Gore is is going to always be a, a top notch when, when you're talking about 49ers running backs. But here's the thing. He is the best touchdown scorer since Jerry Rice, I believe. And you know, well I would have to look at some of those Terrell Owens numbers, but you know, the 17 touchdowns in 15 games for Christian McCaffrey is is a pretty amazing number. That's more than one a game. And, you know, just like last week, uh, he had four. And we're like, come on, Kyle, get, get him the fifth one. And Kyle's like, oh, I didn't even realize. You realized, Kyle. Come on. You, you, you have your eyes on the ball and everything. So, obviously, from a flat-out years and numbers perspective, CMC has a ways to go. But from a value perspective... It's interesting that he's kind of already in this argument. I mean, I think you can actually put him fourth. Like, you know, ch- you know, there's Charlie Gardner, uh, who I always loved. I, I, I really liked the way that Charlie Gardner played, but you wouldn't put him uh, on the Mount Rushmore of running backs, right? There's also Wendell Tyler, who, you know, for a short time before Roger Craig took his spot, was uh, very valuable. He's had a fumbling problem. That was kind of his career. But CMC is already on this list, and it's just where he moves to get past Hurst, who I would have as third, Craig, to get to Craig as second. He needs a few more years to go to to get to Craig's level. And then, obviously, Frank Gore is an ultimate 49er, so CMC has ways to go to get there. But already in the top four, which is pretty amazing, and he hasn't even played one full season with Niners. Now, this could all be moot. If something happens and he retires or he gets hurt or whatever, we don't want that to happen. But I just have to mention that. Um, but yeah, I would go with Gore. And then I think Roger Craig is a close second. Garrison Hurst as, as third. But, you know, McCaffrey is with this team for another two or three years. Uh, he's probably passing Hurst. And, and, and then it becomes... How many games does he play in a 49ers uniform to get to Gore and Craig? All right, that is it. Have a great Sunday night. Hopefully the Niners win and everybody's happy. But Rod and I will be back after that game on our YouTube channel. Just search for BSPN or Bay Area Podcast Network or Podcasting Network. And uh, check, come hang out with us live on YouTube. The audio will be in this podcast feed soon thereafter. And uh, we're going to be doing this all year, y'all. This is a fun season so far. Hope everyone's enjoying it. So I am Double G. Peace out. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.